In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and this series is in cooperation with Cinda. And Cinda brings you thought leaders and business stories from all over the world. Now, if you'd like to learn more about Cinda, please go to www.cinda.org. Now, we don't only bring you thought leaders from all over the world, but we also bring you listeners from all over the world. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from. And if you're new to the series, let me tell you what the series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization, digital transition, and the connected world is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we've talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence, digital transitions and data protection regulations, to leadership issues such as gender balance and business values and ethics that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please listen to us live every Tuesday, 3 p.m. specific time. And if you miss us live, don't worry about it because we are on every major podcast platform from Apple to Google to Stitcher to Spotify. We're all over the net. Now, I invite you to connect with me. Send me your thoughts and insights to Leadership Beyond Borders or go to my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. So if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, on to today's episode. It's a continuation of last week, and I hope you did listen to us last week. Now, last week we spoke with leadership advisor and author David Noor about his new book, Curve Benders. And we spoke a lot about personal professional growth. We talked about transitions rather than transactions. Um, David talked to us about, you know, not work balance, but work blending. And we talked a lot about relationship building. And today we're going to dig a little deeper into the book and we're going to talk about the 15 forces that impact our lives journey and the seven steps in curve bending. Now to reintroduce David, David Knorr is a senior leadership board advisor, educator, executive coach, and best-selling author. He is internationally recognized as the leading expert on the applications of strategic relationships in profitable growth, sustained innovation, and lasting change. He is the author of 11 books, including bestsellers, Relationship Economics and Co-Create, as well as the newly released Curve Benders. Now, Noor also works as a trusted advisor to global clients and coaches and corporate leaders. He is an adjunct professor at the Goizueta Business School at Emory University and was named to the Global Girls Top 30 Leadership Professionals and Thinkers 50 Radar Class list. He's a Forbes Leadership Contributor, um, contributor on the future of work and relationship economics. 
He has very often contributed in articles to in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Fast Company, Huffington Post, and many more. And he's also the host of the cur- popular Curve Benders podcast. Now, born in Iran, Noor immigrated to the U.S. as a teenager with only $100 in his pocket and limited family ties and limited fluency in English, and then graduated from Georgia State University with a bachelor's in business management and went on to executive MBA and at Emory University. So, David, welcome back. Kimberly, it's good to be back with you. Yeah, this is great. So we're going to continue our discussion from last time. So we talked a lot about last time, and I want to dig you know, about transitions um, versus transactions and relationship management. And I want to dig a little more into your book. Um, you talk about 15 forces that really impact us um, in our in our lives journey, in our career journeys. And you kind of put those into like four buckets. Could you tell us what those are? Sure. So uh, as most of your listeners have been impacted in the last uh, 15, 16 plus months, Kimberly, it wasn't just a disruption to our work. It also disrupted the way we live, right? And with the lockdowns and travel and the way we play, a lot of those options got taken away and certainly the way we give to others. So as I thought about this pandemic as one type of disruption, I got really curious about what else could create either headwind, tailwind, which actually could bolster us forward, or turbulence, which is just a mm-hmm. temporary kind of discomfort, if you will. Yeah. And, and, I, and we came up with uh, a big list. Our research highlighted there's a lot of potential possibilities for disruption. And as I kind of kind of combed those as I as I filtered those down, that's where the four buckets came from, predominantly from where we have the most control. So we start, I start with a group of them that are personal, which is they're immediate and within your direct control, things like your grit, things like your relationship strategy, things like diversifying your skills, your knowledge, your talent, your behaviors, your actually revenue sources. Then next is organizational. What are some things your organization needs to do? Next is an industry, much broader beyond any one organization. And then the last bucket are series of what are called transitionary, which if you think about things like technology Mm -hmm. or the economy, they really overlap all three of those other buckets. And Mm -hmm. and what the 15 forces are intended to do, uh, Kimberly, I haven't met anybody who can keep up with all of them alone. But I yeah. think it's also it's also dangerous to bury your head in the sand and say, well, that's just never going to happen to me. And these are examples of things that ideally you're watching, ideally you're evaluating, ideally you're synthesizing and asking how relevant are they to my world and do I have a game plan for each of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 it's interesting how you came – about these and, you know, by, by examining everything that has happened. Um, and you're right. Some of them, we seem like we have more control than the others. So I'd like to just kind of start with the one where probably we have the most control, which is personal. Wouldn't it be? Absolutely. And again, uh, five forces there. Mm-hmm. I start with your relationship strategy. You'd be surprised if not shocked if the relationship guy didn't talk about relationship strategy. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so your, your, 
in your professional world, what are the relationships that could be most instrumental to your success and which ones are taking you off track? Which ones are taking you in the wrong direction? If you don't understand those, if you don't delineate those, you're candidly flying blind in whatever direction you're trying to go to. Then I talk about grit, Angela Duckworth's seminal work. I talk about your mindset. Kimberly, this was a big one. The best growth leaders, the best, uh, the most successful leaders I've interviewed have three fundamental mindsets in common that I thought would be really relevant to a much broader audience. Number one is just that. They have this growth mindset. Mm-hmm. They don't ever stop learning. They don't ever stop growing. I've got senior executives that are going back to executive education courses or they're taking you know, MOOCs, online courses, just to continue to sharpen their skills and knowledge. So that growth mindset keeps them relevant. Number two is digital increasingly you need a digital mindset that, you know, a lot of us may have not been a video culture before the pandemic, but we figured out that if we can't travel, we better embrace Zoom and Skype and go to meeting and Teams and a lot of these other video-based collaboration tools. And the last one is really an entrepreneurial one. Mm-hmm. So regardless of what logo is on your business card, you have to think more like an entrepreneur. You have to think more about, you know, I, I'm, I'm in essence the CEO of my own brand. I'm the CEO of my, my business or line of business or my team or whatever the case is. How will I create value? How will I proactively watch my cost structure? How will I dramatically add value to kind of what we're focused on, those are all kind of entrepreneurial mindset that I think more individuals need to embrace. Mm-hmm. And, and these are the mindsets that you see in leaders that really kind of set them apart than other leaders. And I, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, David, I have one question on the relationships. And we talked about that last uh, a, a lot last time. But you said recognizing good and bad. Okay. And, you know, sometimes it seems it's harder for people to to get rid of the bad. I mean, it's always good to keep the good, but um, do you have any suggestions on that? I mean, you do have to be aware of those relationships that are holding you back, and do you find that sometimes it's harder for people to let those loose? Uh, the answer is unequivocally yes, and in our last mm-hmm. conversation, the audience may want to go back and listen to. I talked about, uh, I interviewed one leader who I describe curve benders as relationships that bolster your success, right? Positive, mm-hmm. constructive, they just elevate us to a different level. And I asked him about his, and he described a guy that Kimberly literally made him bankrupt. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 that, that can't be curve benders. Curve benders are positive and they're constructive and they move you forward. And he said, well, because of this person and my experience with this person, I completely rebuilt kind of my, my, my role, my company, my focus, and on and on. And I said, well, I don't really want to call them the same thing. So I started calling those individuals that take us in the wrong direction fender benders. Fender benders. Right? Okay. And if you've ever been in one, you know it's a pain in the rear. It completely disrupts <laughs> your life. you got to deal with now insurance and repairs and on and on and on. And, and so what do most of us do? Through defensive driving, through experiences – we start identifying potential risks for fender benders. Yeah. 
Well, I believe the same thing happens with your relationships. If you've been burned, if you've had some bad business relationship experiences, if you make the time to sit and think about them, they demonstrated some attributes early on that should have been yellow flags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the book, I actually identify some of those. Have you ever met people that overcommit and underdeliver? Absolutely. <laughs> and by the way, they do that consistently? Yes. Yes. That's probably not a relationship you want to invest in. Yeah. Yeah. Have yeah. you have you have you ever met people that completely are unprepared almost every time they show up? Oh, yes, that too. That <laughs> makes me probably, crazy. Right? That's probably not a relationship you want to invest <laughs> right. in. So, yeah. so these are all examples that I share in the book of listen, you've got to sharpen your mind. You gotta sharpen how you approach relationships, you got to become a lot more diligent so you identify those potential fender benders early on so you detect them, you disengage, and you got to learn from those and continue to build on those attributes and say, that's probably not a right relationship for me mm-hmm. to pursue early on. Yeah, I mean, that that's, I love the name Fender Vendors. That's great. Okay, that's really good. But you know, you're right, you're because this we're talking about this one, you know, your the forces and you're talking about the five here and in the personal, you can really control those. So you can, uh, you know, avoid those. And when you do see those yellow flags, you should kind of walk the other way. So it's, it's good advice. Um, Dave, we're going to take a short break, and and I kind of I have one more question on the personal sphere when we come back, you know, on um, visualization because you talk about that, um, and we'll answer that after the break, and then I would like to move into organizational, because you know there we have control, but not as much as we do in our personal, and I'd like to hear what you have to say about that. So we're going to take a short break right now, and we are talking with David Knorr, and he is a senior leadership advisor, educator, executive coach, best-selling author. He is internationally recognized as a leading expert on the applications of strategic relationships in profitable growth, sustained innovation, and lasting change. And he's the author of 11 books, including bestsellers, Relationship Economics, and Co-Create, and the newly released book, Curve Benders, which is what we're talking about today. Now, if you'd like to reach out to David, you can reach out to him on www.norgroup.com. David Knorr is on LinkedIn. He is on Twitter under David Knorr and Instagram. And on Facebook, they are under the Knorr Group. So please reach out to David. And please, on Amazon, order the book Curve Benders, a fantastic book. Um, it will really help you both personally and professionally. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fastest growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. They hold virtual trainings, conferences, mark, they do market research and contribute to legislative white papers in Europe on digital and support SMBs in Europe. So if you'd like to learn more about Cinda, go to www.cinda.org and they are planning their first conference which will be held in Berlin October 10th to 13th and you can learn more about that on www.cinda.org. And with that we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to like the Voice America Business Channel on Facebook. You'll find out about up-to-the-minute business happenings and get ideas from entrepreneurs and business professionals. Search Voice America Business or click the like button under the player and stay ahead of the curve. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. And today we are talking to David Knorr, and he is the author of 11 books, including bestsellers, Relationship Economics, Co-Create, and the newly released book, which is available on Amazon called Curve Benders. And we're talking about the 15 forces that impact us in both our personal and our professional lives. And... Um, David, this is this is so interesting, and I love before you know we talked about we were talking about the personal forces, okay, and and kind of the personal bucket. Um, we talked about mindset, grit, um, relationships, but you also call you also talk about visualization. What do you what do you mean by that as a a force, a, a personal force? Sure. So, Kimberly, one of the challenges with as as our lives, as our businesses, uh, as our business relationships relationships get more complicated, we, we have a, uh, a need to make how we communicate unnecessarily overcomplicated. So mm-hmm. again, I'm sure you don't see this, but have, have you seen those 120-page PowerPoints? Oh, right? yes. Or, or, or people that get online and they say, I've got 178 slides I'd like to take you through in the next 30 minutes. Yes. <laughs> Woohoo, says nobody ever, right? None of us get excited about reading a 40-page anything. And I'm convinced people are browsers, not readers. So for the last five years, we've been working with global clients in taking those death by PowerPoint presentations (laughs) where the value is measured by their weight and creating these one-page visuals. And Kimberly, my premise is, and in the book, I talk about visualization. If you can't tell your story in one page, we got bigger issues Mm -hmm. because our attention span is getting shorter. By the way, neuroimaging data definitively proves that our brains process visuals 60,000 times faster than we do text. So what if you communicated more with less? What if you said more with less? What if there were more visuals in what you communicated, how you communicated? So I talk about clarifying, communicating, and cascading your messages consistently. By the way, the last Cornell paper I found 
says something like, if you want anything to be remembered and repeated, it has to be reinforced seven times. So yeah. you sharing a message with somebody once and expecting that they get it, they're going to remember, they're going to act on it, it's just lunacy. So it has to be simple. It has simple to, to understand. Yeah. Easy to internalize and then fast to act on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, this makes so much sense. And I think, you know, David, I think here in Europe, we're, we're worse than the U.S. On, on those PowerPoints. And I came from private equity and talk about that industry, that sector, that's the worst and the worst. OK, so, you know, you're right. One page would be so much more powerful to get a message across. Um, very good point. So, uh, David, move. can we move on um, to the other, the next bucket. Okay. So you talk, so, you know, personal, we do have some control on, um, and then we go into the other thing you talk about as forces organizational. Now, can you tell us what kind of forces impact us in that bucket from organizational? So, uh, you're exactly right. Again, these are more strategic. They might be more structural. They might need additional resources, but I talk a lot about this typically three in here that I talk about. One is demographics. So Kimberly, we've got an aging workforce. We've got this notion of what I call the silver tsunami, where that, that, that seasoned workforce is retiring at an accelerated pace versus the apprentices that we're bringing in. So we've got some challenges in terms of the available talent, the skills of that talent, and demographics are changing at an accelerated pace that we have to pay attention to. Other ideas like visionary storytelling. If you think of an Elon Musk, if you think of a uh, almost you know, Jeff Bezos or, or any of these kind of visionary leaders that we admire, there's no financial justification for their company's values, valuations. Mm-hmm. It is purely based on the vision they're able to articulate and where they're taking the organization. And I believe that visionary storytelling could be dramatically more impactful for more organizations. The last one here is based on my last book, which is co-creation. Uh, and, and my premise there is, I think the days of anyone or any organization walking into a scenario and saying, we're the smartest guys in the room, I think those days are gone. None of us have all the answers and the most, again, successful leaders I interviewed, the most successful companies we researched for this book, know their strengths and come to the table. And they it's more than a partnership. It's more than an alliance. It's a deeply vested interest in that joint offering. And they co-create new market opportunities. So a quick example, uh, I, I don't know if you've got these in Europe, but Starbucks launched their Frappuccino drinks. There are these mm. coffee drinks that are in stores. Yeah. But most, most people don't know that's is co-created with Pepsi. Starbucks new coffee, Pepsi new bottling and distribution, and it's now a multi-billion dollar business. So that's a good example. The other one in Germany, Adidas, the mm-hmm. tennis shoe manufacturer, has partnered with a local uh, rail system. And mm-hmm. they're testing embedded uh, uh, train passes in your tennis shoes. Yeah. So imagine one last thing I got to carry. And if you extrapolate that forward, imagine scenarios when you need security. So Mm -hmm. now my shoes become and my footprint is as unique as my fingerprint. It becomes a an extra layer of security that I can walk through. Think of airports or government facilities. So those are examples of co-creation 
that again, create phenomenal new opportunities that you cannot do by yourself. And this, this, David, this links directly back, I think, to what you're saying about relationship building. Okay, so so you you have to build those relationships so you can co-create. So the, these forces are kind of linked, aren't they? Unequivocally, yes. And and you mm-hmm. bring up a great point. So uh, for the last two decades, I've been a big proponent of contacts. If you think of a stair step, contacts become relationships. Next step is relationships become strategic relationships. Next step is strategic relationships become co-creators. Then ultimately, co-creators are the ones that are phenomenal curve benders in the direction and destinations we we aim to reach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. It's funny. I was reading um, an article the other day that I didn't know about. That I didn't know. I don't, I don't know what it's called in English, but this the little camera that you put in your stomach when you you know go to the doctor. I guess that was a guy from NASA was with somebody um, in a bar, a doctor in a bar, and that's how they they came up with the little cameras that you swallow when you're getting, um, you know, uh, going to the doctors and having your stomach looked at. So that's a perfect example of co-creation. You're exactly so, right. Yeah. So, um, David, just I, I want to come back to the visionary because you talked about the visionary storytelling, and now I'm seeing another connection back. Okay, you talked about visualization. Okay, and and visualization is a key from for me as a leader or me as a person on the personal level. And then you're talking about from the organizational visionary storytelling, and that kind of links to me also. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. So so if you think about organizations, and the way I thought about this is that nobody has a relationship with a logo, right? Nobody has a yeah. relationship with a building. All of our relationships are with individuals. So if you begin a Start pushing back against information overload with visual, you know, visualization. So if I tell my stories visually and I do that more often as an individual leader, then what I'm really doing is is leading a cultural transformation in my company that says we're not going to depend on PowerPoint as a crutch. We're not going to hold people hostage and duct tape them to a chair and say, <laughs> you sit there, you be quiet because I've got 200 slides we're going to go through. That's an organizational shift that says we're going to articulate our vision. We're going to become better storytellers as a leadership team, as an organization, and that will be one of our truly sustainable differentiators. Mm-hmm. The fact that as individuals and as an organization, we can articulate dramatically more compelling stories about where we're going and how we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and you can kind of see the ties between these forces also. And um, David, moving on to demographics, and I'd like to kind of touch on that one when we touch on industrial, because for some reason, the two of those are going in my head. I don't know why. Um, maybe there's no relationship at all, but you know, you have this, as you said, this aging um, workforce, okay, and then you have, you know, uh, this whole change in industrial forces, okay. Um, how how did how do these things work together? Yeah, no question. So so uh, again, really important for the audience to understand that demographics is kind of that long term convergence with tech innovation. So there's a lot of concern about, for example, AI and ML, which again, I talk about technology 
as one of those transitionary forces are going to replace my jobs. Mm-hmm. Kimberly, that, that couldn't be further from the truth because what's going to happen is if you think about it, today we use technology to augment our work, right? I use a Microsoft mm-hmm. Excel spreadsheet to augment something I'm trying to do. In the book I talk about, I believe, and again, our, our research definitively shows in the next decade, that's going to fundamentally shift where we're going to augment the work that technology does because mm-hmm. we've yet to figure out a lot of those human elements in technology, creativity, collaboration, decision-making, right? A lot of those things, technology can help, but it can't replace us. So BlackRock, the, the investment management company, has done a, 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 and again, we referenced this in our research, a, a lot of work around aging population, around changes in the, the future workforce, and I write about this extensively in the book, immigration. Mm-hmm. Look at the massive immigration that is caused by political turmoil. So you've got Europe is changing. You've got Latin America. Africa is changing. Look at consumer spending, right? Today, it may be you and I as Gen Xs, but moving forward, it's increasingly Gen Y and even Gen Zs. Kids mm. now have, right, disposable income, but they're not using cash, yeah. which makes fintech really important, right? Mm-hmm. So these are all examples of demographics that are going to impact almost inevitably every company and every mm-hmm. industry. And if you're not ahead of it, you're going to be surprised by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and these demographics, it's, it's impacting the industry, but it's also, as you said, it's impacting these transitionary forces that you talk about. Okay? And um, that's where you talk about, you know, you're talking about the industrial, you talk about, you know, um, the black swan and, and, that was, I'm to guess, that's something like the pandemic, which really then impacts all these. It impacts the demographics. It impacts everything. What did you mean when you talk about this force of the black swan? You're exactly right. So black swan events uh, are exactly this this pandemic that we've gone through. And a, and a really easy definition for your audience is there are events that we're aware of, right? We knew what a pandemic was. We'd seen them before. We don't know when's, when they're going to happen. Mm. And we don't know the impact of when they'll happen. So let me give you and your audience another one. Most executives I'm talking to right now, their number one fear at the moment is cybersecurity. Yeah. What if the next one, God forbid, is can you imagine if we didn't have internet access the last 15 months, 16 months? Yeah. <laughs> we'd be in a bigger hole than we already are, right? Yeah. So cyber is a challenge. God forbid, what if it's a natural disaster? Yep. Right. So these are all examples of black swan events. We know what they are. We know they're going to happen. We just don't know when they're going to happen and the impact they're going to have on our lives. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, again, you don't have any control over it. What you can do, none of us can predict it. What you can do is plan. Mm-hmm. How can I plan more proactively so when the next massive disruption comes, we're much more resilient. We're much more prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think David, we're, we're going to take another short break. And th- this is just really fascinating. And, and I, and I, I want to talk about how these forces 
um, also, you know, impact what you're calling the transitionary forces. I mean, we saw that with the pandemic, um, you know, how uh, technology boomed even with small businesses who were never online had to do it and kind of understand a little bit of the relationship between all these forces in our own career and personal journey when we come back. So for our listeners, we are speaking with David Knorr, and he is a senior leadership advisor, educator, executive coach, best-selling author. Uh, David is internationally recognized as a leading expert on applications of strategic relationships in profitable growth, sustained innovation, and lasting change. And he's the author of 11 books, including the bestsellers Relationship Economics and Co-Create. And the new book that we're talking about today is Curve Bender and it is available on Amazon. And I highly recommend you either download that or order that book. And if you'd like to reach out to David, you can reach out to him on www.norgroup.com. And on LinkedIn, he is on under David Knorr, and that is N-O-U-R. And on Twitter, under David Knorr. And Instagram, David Knorr. And on Facebook, it's under the Knorr Group. So please reach out to David. And this broadcast is also being brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is one of Europe's fast-growing nonprofit digital marketing and local search associations. Cinda supports SMBs in Europe. And Cinda holds virtual trainings, conferences, market research, and legislative white papers focused on digital. So please go to www.cinda.org for more information. And Cinda will be holding its first conference since the pandemic in Berlin, October 10th to 13th. So to learn more about that conference, please go to www.cinda.org. And with that, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to like the Voice America Business Channel on Facebook. You'll find out about up-to-the-minute business happenings and get ideas from entrepreneurs and business professionals. Search Voice America Business or click the like button under the player and stay ahead of the curve. You are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders. I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And you're listening to us on Voice America's Business Channel. And today we are talking to David Knorr, and he is the author of 11 books, including the bestsellers Relationship Economics and Co-Create, as well as the newly released book Curve Benders, which we're focusing on today in our discussion. And uh, David, um, we're talking about the 
the 15 forces that you talk about in your book that really impact our careers and, um, you know, impact our lives. And the last two forces you talk about are, are transitionary forces, okay? Um, and they kind of seem like they curve in and out or kind of wind through all the other forces. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. So, Kimberly, I thought of, again, the, the way I broke down the, the four buckets in essence, again, personal, what do I have most control over, organization, what do I need a, you know, kind of a company or a bigger organization to help me tackle, and then industry, think of trade associations, ecosystems, and much broader collaborations. Then I thought about, are there some, and, and you were kind of to bring it up, connective tissue, are there some common threads? Are there some things that run across actually all three that would equally impact all three? And obviously the first one that came to mind is technology, right? So mm -hmm. I'm blessed, you know, I've spent most of my career in technology and sales and sales you know, management and consulting. And I'm a, I'm a big, you know, big avid technology user, but it also is a double-edged sword. Because number one, it's going to create even a bigger digital divide. So 15, 16 months into this pandemic, I still get on meetings with people who haven't figured out Zoom. <laughs> or, they, or their camera yeah. is still pointing up their nostrils. Or their audio goes, <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? It's 16 months in. You haven't figured out the digital presence yet? <laughs> right. So what's going to happen is what are these people going to do with AI and ML? What are yeah. they doing with blockchain? What are they going to do yeah. with cryptocurrency? All of these technologies are going to create even a bigger divide if you choose to bury your head in the sand and say, well, that doesn't affect me. That mm -hmm. doesn't impact me. That's never going to matter in what I do. And I think that's incredibly short sighted. So technology can be a huge asset to you, but it could also be a huge anchor if you let it. Yeah. Number two is around economy. An economy is something that I, I, I equate to a, a buffet, right? We all love them, we all complain <laughs> about them, and we can't do anything about most of them, right? So, <laughs> exactly. So, so you have to embrace understanding more of the economic forces, understanding how our economy works, understanding where you have and don't have control. None of us have control over you know, monetary policy, but you better believe we can practice a more prudent spend policy. So one of the things I've deeply believed in for individuals and organizations is, Kimberly, something I call zero-based budgets. Most companies will take what they spend this year. Let's just round numbers. We spend a million dollars on marketing. Next year, we're going to spend a million dollars plus. I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's go back to zero and justify every dollar. Why mm -hmm. would we reinvest in that area? So mm -hmm. if you believe in zero-based budgets, you're going to be a lot more prudent in your investing. Somebody mm -hmm. said, well, enough about our Congress. <laughs> right? so, mm -hmm. so that's an example of an economic policy, an economic engine that we have to understand. Mm -hmm. The other fascinating mm -hmm. part of that, I interviewed um, Roger Martin. He's a former... Dean of the uh, 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 Rodman School of Business at University of Toronto. And, and he's got a fascinating new book about kind of abundance, right? And when, when, when it just kind of, it overflows, right? And he mm -hmm. talks about 
our individual impact, believe it or not, on the economy in that, and just, let me just use one example. If you buy everything on Amazon, and this is not against Amazon, let's just use that as an yeah. example, you're going to put that local mom yeah. and pop shop down the street in jeopardy. Yes. Because they need, yeah, you may pay a little bit more and it may be a little more inconvenient, but you know what? That creates that that neighborhood feel with the smaller stores that I can't go down the street and go to an Amazon store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so really diversifying where you get your information from, where you buy from, where you spend, where you choose to invest. Those are all the things we do have control over. And again, mm-hmm. I talk a lot about those in the book. The biggest takeaway from the 15 forces for your audience should be if you can't predict any of these disruptions, you better get much more proactive in planning for them. Yeah. Okay. That and and that comes that that's a that's a great statement, David. And it comes back to kind of leads into my 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 next question because in the in last week's show and for our listeners, if you missed last week, please go to last week. Um, we talked a lot about relationships and other things. And last week's shows, we we talked a little bit about the seven steps to curve benders. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'd like to try to figure out how those fit in with these forces. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? You might want to review the, the, the seven steps really quickly. Absolutely. So for our audience, this is the entire uh, premise in chapter three of the book. So in chapter two, I talk about uh, these forces. And I think it's important to understand if you think of situational awareness, right? Let me scan the, the market to figure out what could potentially disrupt me, then my next question is, okay, if I understand these disruptions, Kimberly, how do I remain relevant? Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, that's that's got to be fundamentally one of the biggest questions I get from leaders I coach, from leaders that feel like they've reached a ceiling in their careers. Those that want to change, fundamentally change, the underlying question is, how do I remain relevant? And and again, for your audience, just a a quick data point, relevance is not a point in time. It's an ongoing effort, right? It's not just like you're relevant today and you're irrelevant tomorrow. You have to remain relevant. So what I thought of is, how could you accelerate remaining relevant? How do I quickly learn new topics, new kind of trends that we see and how can I remain relevant and accelerate Mm -hmm. that relevance? So I came up with seven steps to meeting potential curve benders. And again, for your audience, very quickly, step one is a personal foundation, which is all about that mindset we talked about earlier. Step two is a professional commitment. You, I don't care if you're a garbage collector. I learned from my dad, make a commitment to be the best garbage collector you can. Mm-hmm. But there's got to be a professional commitment to not just meeting expectations, but consistently exceeding existing expectations of you. Yeah. When you do that, you're going to reach step three, which is a catalyst. And if you remember one of the first chemistry classes you took, catalyst is a chemical reaction, right? You combine these, you put this rock in this you know, liquid and it creates bubbles, right? Mm-hmm. So that catalyst in the business context, to me, is an awareness. It's awareness of either there's something missing 
or there's something you aspire, there's a greater reach you want to go after. You start to identify, you know what, in a couple of years, I'd really like to become a vice president. In a couple of years, I really want to leave this rad race job of mine and I want to go own my own business, whatever that is. But you got to come up with that catalyst, which then leads to step four, which I call immersive inquiry. So once I've got that need, that hunger, that I'm either re- I've reached a ceiling or I want to go after something bigger, you've got to immerse yourself and you've got to fan that spark to explore the possible, the potential, and the path forward. So yeah. what has to happen for me to become that vice president? What has to happen for me to leave this really comfortable job and go start my own business and be able to replace my income? And that's when you jump in with both feet and you immerse yourself in that topic, right? What mm-hmm. are the attributes of that vice president that I need to gain? What does an entrepreneur do? How does an entrepreneur make money? What would I be doing if I left and went on my own? That's all in this immersive inquiry bucket. Mm-hmm. When you do that, you reach step five, which is really my strategic relationships. Mm-hmm. So who can I go to? to explain, here's what my aspirations are, here's what my ceiling is, and really build on that, which then leads to step six, which is agile execution, right? Your relationships are gonna give you advice, they're gonna open doors for you, they're gonna give you more direction and ideas, they wanna see you execute. Because there's nothing worse than wasting your relationships, time and effort, if you choose to do nothing about it. When you do execute, you reach step seven, which is what I call connection cadence. You want to come back to those relationships and update them on your progress. Mm -hmm. So you remember I said I want to be a vice president in two years? Well, look at what I've done. Look at the courses I'm taking. I'm going to go back and get an MBA. I'm going to go take on a more visible role. I'm going to go solve those big initiatives that that seem to be really challenging for the company. And and your relationships want to see you make that definitive progress toward those aspirations. When you do that, they will give more of themselves, their expertise, and their relationships. Yeah, yeah, that that that's for sure. I mean, I think you can see that when you have mentors and and those strategic relationships. When you when you give the feedback back, people put more into it. So this is those were the seven steps, and we we talked a little, we touched on a couple of those in the last uh, in the last uh, talk last week. Um, so, David, as we're getting towards the end now, so we have the seven steps. We've got the 15 forces. So um, what you said was, you know, make sure you know, get prepared for those forces. Make sure you're out there. So what would be your your kind of consolidated advice with this whole thing? So we've got these seven steps. We've got these 15 forces. How can I best go about making the best for myself and my career with these. You are you are too kind in not calling out what I know you and, and a whole lot of other friends are thinking, <laughs> which is there's a lot here. Yeah. And 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 you're exactly right. I'm a content presenter, I'm a content speaker. Most people read my books at least a couple of times and they become really good Kimberly uh buckets. They become really good reference points in kind of what do I do and how do I do it? So number one, I've summarized the key chapters. I've summarized every chapter with key ideas at the end of each. But if I were to summarize kind of your awareness in what's happening and a game plan, the best way I can do that, describe it for your audience, is a personal reinvention. Mm -hmm. 
if you want to remain relevant, you're going to want to really look into what I call the S-curve, which is how do I invest in my personal and professional growth? How do I develop a certain competencies and capabilities? How do I get really good at those? How do I anticipate that arc of my job, the arc of my impact, which is typically three to five years in any role? And how do I ensure I invest in that next stage, that next reinvention, so I can remain relevant? Yeah. And in that journey, a few of your strategic relationships are going to be your biggest asset. Yeah, I, I think that is a great way to sum it up. And I have read the book, and uh, actually, you're right. I've read a couple chapters once or twice, okay? Um, and I, I think, David, that, that kind of puts it into a nutshell. I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff in your book. I really recommend our listeners do read it. Um, this has been fascinating. It's great to talk to you about it. Um, and uh, I you know, we're at the end of the show. I We could probably go on for another hour, but um, unfortunately we don't. But David, that was a great summary. Um, for our listeners, we have been take, talking to David Knorr, and he is a senior leadership board advisor, educator, executive coach, and best-selling author. And we've been talking about the book Curve Benders, which came out this year. And please, it's on Amazon. Do download it. Um, it is really fantastic. And we've covered a lot of the content in it. Um, but it's really something for your own career and personal development. And if you'd like to reach out to David, you can reach out to David on www.norgroup.com. And David Nor is also on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram under David Noor, and that is N-O-U-R, and on Facebook under the Noor Group. So, David, thank you again. This has been really interesting, um, and I've, our listeners missed last week. Please tune in, listen to last week. It's on every podcast platform. Um, and, David, thank you. My pleasure, Kimberly. It was great to be with you. Yeah, it was really, really great having you. And um, for our listeners, thank you for listening in. And this broadcast is also brought to you by Cinda. And Cinda is a nonprofit organization in Europe. If you want to learn more about Cinda, go to www.cinda.org. And you've been listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. Tune in to us Tuesdays at 3 p.m. And if you miss us, we are on every podcast platform. And thank you for listening. And until next week. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.